All right. Thanks for coming here, Darren. Mm. Welcome to episode three of How Does This Help? Ah, thanks for having me. You're I'm welcome. Happy to be here. Well, uh, why don't you do introduce yourself a little bit? Tell people why you're here. Uh, yeah, my name is Darren Mann. I'm the chair of the Village Cooperative. Um, it's a collective down in uh, Fair Park, Rose Park area of Salt Lake City, um, where we our mission is to feed a three-block radius through intensive urban farming and permaculture techniques, as well as cultivate a spirit of healing and connection through highlighting local artists and um, community connection through monthly events. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, can you go into a little bit of the detail of how you're going about doing urban farming? And even, I didn't even know what this uh, permaculture was until about a year ago. So mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of I think everybody I run into even doesn't know what it is. So I mm -hmm. think that'd be good to kind of touch on what permaculture is. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think I think it's good to start with the journey of how you find permaculture because I feel like everybody's starting to uh, understand what that is. Okay. Um, um, so maybe I'll tell you a little bit about myself first. Um, I, so I worked for the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016, um, organizing Utah. And, you know, um, I became an environmental lobbyist for the Utah Rivers Council and uh, mainly working to save the uh, Bear River uh, Bear River and the Colorado River and Salt Lake because we have water barons that are constantly doing these huge disastrous projects. And I started to get integrated with farmers, trying to save their farmland from getting flooded from, um, you know, the inundation of water, which would happen if we diverted and build, built three dams along the Bear River Corridor. Mm -hmm. um, not only would that destroy our lake, but it would flood all these generational farmers that have been farming for five generations or so. And I started to interact with these, these uh, farmers and uh, work their crops, eat dinner with them. Um, and then I, um, I really saw that there was a connection of like how we already have the resources that we need here and the farmers are trying desperately to preserve um, what we have. Um, and then I started to get involved in the urban foodscape and um, I got introduced to uh, permaculture from my friend uh, Ricky Longino. Um, and she, she's an incredible woman who has a cooperative called the Mobile Moon Co-op, um, which is a uh, queer-led cooperative, um, which focuses on herbal remedies and medicines. Um, and so she really taught me a lot about permaculture. Um, and, you know, I worked with her through my capacity at the Green Urban Lunchbox, um, doing a gleaning organization, which is essentially harvesting uh, fruit in people's backyards or um, on public property. Um, or sometimes even private property if you want to be gorilla about it. Um, <laughs> and then you, you, uh, we would then distribute those, that fruit um, or veggies, whatever we could glean, to um, senior centers throughout the valley, uh, food banks and food pantries and things like that. And then um, I started to see that um, while this work is really good, there's like a puzzle piece missing. Um, and what it is is, um, for me is where it's almost like we're putting band-aids on the problems that we have as a society by you know we're harvesting all this excess fruit but we're just giving it to a food pantry which is this, this huge distribution center run by corporations like Walmart and whatnot where they just dump their uh, you know carb intensive crappy produce and then give it to uh, those experiencing poverty um, but what we really needed to do was um, 
build build a society that is um, really independent and resilient and can rely on itself and is using the resources available to empower each other for the ultimate um, destination of self-determination between its community members. And, you know, through my relationship with uh, Ricky Longinome and my buddy Michael Kundik, um, I've really learned that, you know, permaculture has this really holistic way of looking at how we interact with uh, the world, right? Um, like, uh, they have this Venn diagram um, that you can find with a quick Google search, you know, permaculture principles. They have 12 principles, but then they also have a, a Venn diagram where you have, before you decide to do anything, um, if you're trying to live permaculture, you're trying to think of it falls within this Venn diagram. And you have, in the upper left, you have, you know, uh, care for the people. Is this going to positively impact the lives of myself and those around me? Um, then you have care for the earth. Is what I'm doing going to have positive impact for the earth? And then the last circle is care for the future. And you want to hit right in the center. You want to make sure that you're um, really trying to hit all three of those um, principles when, whenever you take an action. And so the Village Cooperative was really spawned from that because we saw a need where in in where I live, it's uh, what's considered a food desert. So um, while there are grocery stores about two miles away from where I live, um, well, there's one, um, a lot of people don't have access to healthy produce, especially if they're um, impaired in any way or have a disability that doesn't allow them to walk. Um, and whatnot and also it's a big corporation it's not like a, a resilient locally grown and sourced yeah. food food system so the village cooperative we're really trying to meet people's basic necessities first by building a local solid solidarity economy on on the ground with with um with food you know um and so our mission is to feed a three block radius um and really make sure that we're reducing our carbon footprint by, by hyper-localizing where we're distributing our food and then also cultivating that community connection because there's one thing that we've lost in this society as technology is moving forward and we're getting Amazon deliveries you know, right at our doorstep. We're forgetting that we live with people around us all of the time yeah. and we're not connecting with one another. So if we can start to connect people with their food, um, like one thing I always say, the best way to radicalize somebody and help share the future with them is underneath the shade of a fruit tree harvesting it together yeah it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is what you know if you're republican democrat libertarian whatever if you're harvesting uh, food together you'll start to see how similar we really are um we and, all have the same needs and, mm -hmm. and have all the same desires and mm -hmm. until those all those needs are kind of filled mm -hmm. everybody's kind of like crawling over the top of each other mm -hmm. and uh you saying like you have these delivery, Amazon, I'm even thinking like Uber Eats and stuff. People aren't even going to fast food anymore. Mm -hmm. People are paying more to have fast food delivered to them. And I, I, I see with technology a future where uh, we as society are more depressed. Mm -hmm. We're more antisocial. We, have, um, we haven't developed these social skills to go into um, environments or, or areas where we can really be pushed and grow. And I think that um, it does start with looking at everybody as a person and not just like, hey, like you have nothing to offer me. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I, I'm not gonna interact with you. Uh -huh. And nowadays with everybody on their phone, um, 
it's almost if you go to talk to somebody, a stranger, and especially if they're on their phone, they're almost like, what do you want? Do you want a hundred dollars? What, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like we, from these corporations who are always telling you, you need, need, need and buy, buy, buy. And then we can't afford to really give in the places and do the places we need to. Uh huh. Well, and I mean, um, it's so easy to get disconnected, like, um, from your relationship to what you're consuming and what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not, consciously interacting with it yes and that's what i love about our cooperative is it's right on the corner of a busy street um directly adjacent to a park um and so everybody can see it kids run by and they're watching this all this food getting being grown and they're watching us build our hugo culture mounds which um i can digress for a minute but hugo culture is where uh it's this german um gardening technique where you dig a three-foot trench, and then you take big-ass logs, and you throw them in with twigs and manure and green waste, and then you cover it all back up with soil, and it, like, supercharges that garden, and then you can cut it to contour with the ground, and the water will be absorbed into these swells that you've cut, and in our high desert climate, it's really a wonderful way to bring those resources in. Um, And so being on the corner, these kids and all my neighbors, they're seeing these um, regenerative earth practices being displayed for them right in front of their eyes. And they're, they're knocking on my door and seeing, uh, Hey, what are you doing? What, what is this? You know? Um, and it, it really, it, it allows that connection. And then uh, as people, more and more people become cooperative members and start joining our CSA program, our community, what does CSA stand for? Uh, community supported agriculture. Okay. Um, uh, once they join that program and they're starting to get food weekly coming to the farm and interacting with me or any of the uh, other cooperative farmers, um, it really brings that home vibe. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever been to like a, you know, a farm out in, you know, Cache Valley or, you know. I have wherever. cousins who are in Idaho who have yeah. uh, been multiple different farmers. I used to go up there about a week uh, when I was growing up. Mm. Um, I'd go out there for a week during the summer. Okay. It's a completely different world. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? Um, And people can, like, walk, um, you know, I've walked on several farms before, and they usually have little farm stands, and you get to meet the nice old lady that's been Mm -hmm. doing it for ever, you know, and she's very warm and kind, and you're buying this food, and you're like, ah, I can't believe how cheap it is, right? Um, But here in these urban areas, we're so not, we're so disconnected from that. We don't even understand what that looks like. And, um we're in these really gray cement-like cities that are just very lifeless in a lot of ways. And yeah. the, only, the only green that you're really seeing are trees and, and Kentucky bluegrass, right? Yeah. You're not seeing indigenous plants. You're not seeing fruit trees growing around, raspberry bushes, nut trees, whatever, what have you. Um, and so you're not really seeing the abundance of life that you could really see in uh, in our cities. Um, yeah. And it just it, it harkens to the idea that we have to really look at how we're um, treating our our aggregate green spaces, our mm. spaces that are not necessarily being used, but we're not even cultivating them yeah. to to bring life into the in into our world, yeah. right? Um, like, so the project that we have, that Hugo Culture project that I was talking to you about, uh, we've cut swells to contour so that we catch the rain, but then we're also cutting in two ponds and a little stream, and we'll line it with mushroom with uh, logs, and we'll dial mushrooms into that that will hopefully encourage ducks to come nest and eat the slugs that want to 
you know, trying to eat our mushrooms. And then it's all about creating these closed loop systems. Mm-hmm. Um, They're self sufficient, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and they do take a larger time investment, you know, than you know your traditional market garden, right? Yeah. So we, we do have market gardens because we uh, market gardens they really do produce. Um, a lot of food and so if you do want to feed people i think you it's all about finding that balance of how you can do sustainable market gardening but then also start to transition using permaculture practices to um you know closed loop systems and starting to rebuild our our ecosystems because i mean here in the salt lake valley um this is like a bread basket for us and we've paved over it all right and now um so all this farmland that used to be here is no longer here. Yeah. But we do, st- still do have a lot of open spaces. You know, people have a lot of big yards and things like that. And um, like uh, the house behind mine, we're turning his um, his property into a garden as well. He's a cooperative member and across the street. So it's already. So you're encouraging people to, if they have a backyard or wherever they can contribute, mm-hmm. like come to you guys and mm-hmm. you guys can collaborate with them to say, Hey, how how can we turn your backyard into this self-sufficient closed loop system Mm -hmm. that you might have to maintain and and grow yourself Mm -hmm. over the years, but it's going to help out where they're at and spread this. Yeah. But that's actually the beauty of cooperatives, right? And that's why we are ultimately a cooperative. And right now our focus is on food, but this kind of segues into why we need to build a cooperative economy is because not everybody wants to farm. Right. Yeah. Um, not everybody want is inspired by that. They just don't want to spend the time. But if we're um, really trying to build a village, which we are, right, a village that feeds a three block radius, all of the members reside within those areas, then you um, you start to get like uh, my neighbor, for example, he's a carpenter, he's a handyman, um, he's helped us build our walk-in cooler and things like that. Then you start to build a cooperative, an LLC, let's say, on. Uh, a carpentry cooperative. So then you're you're you know you're pro- you're promoting local carpenters and you're hiring those instead of some corporate franchise. You're 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 empowering your neighbor to come work on your roof instead of instead of buying IKEA yeah. stuff or mm-hmm. the stuff yeah. that's built to be cheap mm-hmm. and work but not work for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah, um, I think that. Um, Sorry, I wanted to go back to a. You, you talked about these great buildings we have, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to like point out that like we don't have like you walk around certain parts of downtown Salt Lake, for example. There's like art, but it's very select. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently read this article that I think it's in the UK. They are trying to build these houses or buildings mm-hmm. that have a certain uh, I can't remember what type of material it was, but it was conducive to moss. And then so like the building solid windows and all this stuff like that, but wherever it would have normally been like concrete or these like slabs of uh, just unbeautiful gray, it's now moss is able to come in, mm. which moss is one of like, apparently one of the uh, really takes out CO2. So you could have these cities that like New York, for example, apparently they're saying there's actually like particles of dust breaks and also like that because there's not enough natural wind to come through these and blow stuff and give fresh air Mm -hmm. there's too many buildings where these moss could really kind of help provide a natural filter to these cities Mm -hmm. um which is really i think fascinating especially when it comes to the idea of you guys could have this three block radius and you guys go like hey let's have this place not only just uh survive but thrive 
and you get better oxygen and air. I mean, Salt Lake's known as one of the worst, uh, like during the winter, especially one of the worst CO2. Like they're like, don't go out. There's so many red flags. There's like, don't go out running, don't breathe the air. And I, more and more every year, I'm seeing people wear these doctor masks and I've caught bronchitis the last two years. Mm. Like, and so it's like, what's going on? But <laughs> Well, yeah. And I mean, that's why, you know, like, and they're, they're all of these solutions that we could revitalize our green spaces and, you know, start to plant trees along the ridgelines of the mountains and start to create yeah. a funnel to push out air. Um, there's a lot of really cool, interesting things that are happening mm-hmm. that, that Ha- are happening and could happen um, if we just kind of plant that seed. Yeah. And part of the problem is, is we don't have um, the economic where for all or support to really do that. Um, and I mean, it's there, but it just needs, it needs a conduit. Right. And so um, the village cooperative is a wonderful model because you can do it on a small scale on a three block radius, feeding people starting, um, highlighting local artists, cultivating community through monthly events, educating people on what is happening, how we're, we're really focused on feeding people and connecting them with their neighbors and building a resilient community where everybody has a vote who joins the cooperative. It's more democratic, and you have these people that are starting to essentially join in a town hall you know, on a monthly basis and start to connect and then empower each other. But what's really cool about that is as these people empower each other and they start to collaborate on regenerative earth uh, practices and helping each other build things, um, um, they become more economically independent as a, as a community because now they're rely, relying on each other. And then once you build that template, then you can actually replicate it and move it somewhere else. And that would be the way to start to cultivate the seeds, right? So which... You, which- so, Oh, sorry, cutting. No, yeah. So you 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 plant the seed, which is the village cooperative. Um, you know, growing a market garden and starting to feed people in a three block radius, doing it conscientiously by distributing via bike, so you're not contributing more carbon into our air mm. and whatnot, and you're also not contributing to the carbon of bussing in tomatoes from Cache Valley or Idaho or wherever. Yeah. Um, you're you're getting them right from your neighbor, right? I I, I can't emphasize that enough yeah right but then you take that formula and you um so once that starts to sprout and grow and you have a solidified 300 member base uh, of people that are collaborating through farming through you know helping people repair their houses and doing carpentry and um, highlighting local artists uh, through music through we do community events called residence building roots Mm -hmm. and a lot of artists since we've been paying them and highlighting them have started to see an increase in their paid gigs um, because you know um, we've kind of given them a platform to start sharing their art and sharing whether it's music or people crafting jewelry and necklaces or um painting um that that just gives people an outlet to this free event where they can start to interact with one another um and then you start to see money going back into the hands of people that reside within this area rather than you know going to their smiths and and paying a big corporation that buses all of this food around yeah um, instead of going to mcdonald's instead of going and buying jewelry at walmart or whatever they're buying it from joe who went up into the mountains and yeah. harvested some stone and made this really beautiful necklace you know yeah. um and 
and then you're having this money circulate within the local community. And then as you start to pool and build a stronger base of financial independence away from our current economic system, we can say, look, this is working. Let's move it over. Oh, you live in Mill Creek and you have some property that you want to start farming? Well, we've built the back end through, you know, cultivating a Salesforce system and QuickBooks, and this is how we did it. And this is how um, we manage our members. These are our bylaws. And this is how we really started to do outreach. So you have an architecture on the back end mm-hmm. to make sure that all this is, is being tracked and mm-hmm. uh, measured. So you're not just like talking about stuff up in the air. You can actually say, hey, mm-hmm. this is how much we're producing. This is mm-hmm. how much we're giving back to the community. This is how, how quick we're growing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. As far as um, like if I was somebody who um, wasn't living within that three three block radius do you are do you want me to come to this do you absolutely do i pay like what what is the, what is the cost to become a membership or what is what is the actual application process to becoming a member so right now we've ratified uh ten dollars a month to become a member or you could work uh you could volunteer um uh, just you know f- you could come to our weekly garden events on saturdays and sundays and volunteer your time and you would become a voting member um, How much time would that be to, to compared to the roughly? $10? It looks about four, like two to four hours a week, okay. depending on the season. Uh, where where we're at in the season, like in the winter, there's really not much mm. to do. Um, but um, yeah, so you're you're donating your time, and then of course you get access to any produce that's grown, especially if you're volunteering, you get access. Um, but that's essentially how that goes. And if you're um, if you don't live within the three block radius, helping us solidify this structure and coming and volunteering and learning how we interact with the community around us, learning our farming practices, um, and you know just enjoying our community events, um, you're supporting something that's really trying to emphasize building resiliency on a local scale. Yeah, and and then hopefully you can build one in your own area and we would love to help with that yeah um so it's like it doesn't matter if you live three blocks away i mean look look within your city and there's a cool thing happening underneath the shade of the freeway come on down and and see us and interact and learn and i mean what's the address apparently it's cool it's got some numerology in there it says 777 west 500 north um, no way, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love 777. It's yeah. one of my favorite ones. Yeah, yep. Um, so the kingdom of creation right there. Yeah, so, dude. Um, yeah, and um, we, we, we actually have a lot of people who don't live within the three block radius right now that are coming and helping, and they have so many skills, and they, they see the merit of what's happening. Um, and, you know, then we can franchise it. Because we also have... Um, in partnership with the Utah Permaculture Collective, there's guilds that are popping up everywhere, but they don't really have a location. They don't have any foundation, and they're really focused on education, educating mm. people about permaculture. Um, where the Village Cooperative steps in is is um, we have a lot of, you know, myself, I'm really, um, I have a lot of experiencing with experience community organizing um, and building back-end structures uh, through my work with the Green Urban Lunchbox, I know how to handle a distribution model of, you know, handling 80,000 pounds of produce 
you know, and where do we distribute this? How do we develop partnerships? Um, and so those, those back-end models I'm, I'm very familiar with. And so um, we need to build that in a way to, um, you know, especially with our nonprofit model, nobody owns any of the equity that happens within the nonprofit. It is, it is directly for the community, right? Okay. Like, so like if I were to die tomorrow, um, the village cooperative is still here, right? And yeah. if nobody owns it, nobody's going to inherit it. It's the, well, the community is going to inherit it, right? Um, and I think that's really cool, right? Because it's it's all of us together that are that are building this structure. Mm -hmm. um, and so as you start to move it out to other communities, you can literally just take that that nonprofit status and spon fiscally sponsor another another location and hand them the back end CRM of Salesforce or whatever, um, and give them a leg up right because i think a lot of people are really nervous or hesitant like oh my gosh why would i even start farming why would i even start cultivating community that sounds crazy you know but when you when you see how empowered you are so last year we installed the market garden built a walking cooler and our hugoculture project um spending about seven thousand dollars if you were to equate that to what it would cost if you paid somebody to do that instead of like getting your friends together and pulling out some shovels, it would cost probably about twenty-five dollars to $30,000. Yeah. Right? And so, but we did that paying, you know, basically for materials and, and things like that. And then just getting together, having potlucks, um, sharing in friendship, having a beer, you know, <laughs> dig, digging, digging some holes. Getting dirty. Just, yeah, and just bullshitting as we build this beautiful world that we want to see. That's awesome. Right? I think that um, labor is something that we mm -hmm. – because, like, as I, I went to school to go to college so that I wouldn't have to do labor work, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I was like, oh, I could own a house that I have a maid and I have a guy who comes and mows my lawn. And yeah. I, I don't have to do anything except for worry about making money, you yeah. know. Um, I think it's cool because it provides uh, a deeper purpose than just making money. It's contributing to something bigger than yourself, mm -hmm. which I think there's a lot of people out there who they don't know what their why is. They, they know what they do mm -hmm. and how they do it on a day-to-day -day basis, but, it, but they're waking up going, why am, I, why am I doing this? And they're getting depressed and, again, antisocial because they're sucking into more of their phones. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, where I think I think the society is kind of changing a little bit. But there was a period of time where I felt like everybody was just reaching across the phone and strangling the other person mm -hmm. for just sharing an opinion one way or the other. Like mm -hmm. and anywhere I looked, it was this everybody's attacking each other. But I think it's because we removed the face of another person, mm. you know. And so I think the, the beauty of that is you're bringing people into the community. I mean, I've, I've lived in this apartment complex for uh, two and two, two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. And the only two people I kind of got to know were, was a person across the hall from me and the person below me, mm -hmm. but they, they were such a mess of a person. Like one of them was an alcoholic and the other one I'm pretty sure was like Dylan, like hard drugs out of his thing, out of his uh, place. Mm -hmm. And it scared the crap out of me, um, to even continue to explore the rest of this community. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's kind of scary nowadays to like go door to door and be like, oh, neighbor, we have cookies, you know? But what a cool way to like go to a, a, a place where it's like anywhere you know, you, you have this place that you can go to. And I even think about it like I, I growing up LDS, you know, there's a church house on every corner. What if every church house on every corner was a, was a farm or a, a co-op? 
Uh-huh. You know, and everybody, instead of missionaries going and knocking on doors, they, it was missionaries delivering <laughs> delivering stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like mm-hmm. there's so many cool aspects to it that I think that you're hitting on. Yeah. Um, that I think that there are so many people, including myself, who have um, grown up LDS and have left the church and go, what else is out there? Yeah, yeah. And I actually had a really bad faith crisis. And if I would have had something like this, or it was like, well, Mike, go over here. There's a bunch of you know people who just care about people <laughs> and like are friendly and yeah, yeah. want to grow some fruit and <laughs> like I I or take fruit veggies. Easy, you know? Yeah, like take it easy. Like I mean, I even just imagine myself being able to go over there and as weird as it sounds, just hang out amongst vegetables and fruit or just this growing thing and just enjoy. Like, like parks, for example, are made for people, but what if we were treating these areas that were they're more sacred and it wasn't meant for people to go and do these recreational activities, but it's to go back and experience life how it was before civilization and modern mm-hmm. stepped in. And I, I see how this, this, this pebble, dude, you're starting, you're throwing this in this pond is making this ripple. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm so thankful you're here, um, yeah. spending your Thursday, your, th- your Thursday night yeah. sharing, sharing this message. Cause I think, I think everybody needs to hear this. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, like the cool thing about your business is you're starting simple mm. and that's the easiest way to do is start simple, start with food. It's one of the necessities. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking before and you were like, Hey, we want to hit all these. We were talking about the Maslow, Ma- Ma- Maslow's, Maslow's mm-hmm. uh, hierarchy of needs. And can, mm-hmm. can you kind of explain that um, as far as like how you guys are trying to help that out and fill that bottom yeah, part? So, so the reason we're starting with food um, first is it's a great tool to educate people and get them connected with the earth, right? Um, but also it meets their basic necessities, food, water, shelter, sleep, um, you know, their physiological needs, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then as you move up the, up the ladder towards self-realization, actualization or self-determination, if I remember right, um, you know, then you start to have, you know, connect community connection, which we're fostering with our residents building roots um, events where we have local vendors come out, local flower growers and local artists, and we just throw on a fire and it's a it's a free event with you know it's like just a donation and some farm farm to table food for you usually we cut up some squash make some squash soup or whatever um and it's just it's just a free event at the park um and that's another way you know because people need that connection yeah. that's another that's another p- pillar of the pyramid mm-hmm. right and then as they start to get these these needs met then they start to get self-actualization, self-determination, and they realize that, oh, man, I'm, I could do this too. I'm just as powerful as anybody else around me, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. like when you're talking that spiritual crisis that you were in, right? Like I, I've been there too, right? And and so, and so also we're afraid to connect with one another, right? Like uh, when I was running for office, I was uh, knocking doors um, and I would go where nobody else wanted to go. I went, I, I went to crack dens and all that stuff. And I, I, I met this, I met this woman. Um, she had some gang affiliations, um, and uh, most people would be terrified. To I remember like knocking on the door, and it had like a picture of a gun pointing at you, like this is how I protect my house. And I was like, fuck it. <laughs> and, and, That's uh, intimidating, so, dude. Yeah. So I knock on the door, and she, you know, she, she opens it up, and. Uh, I end up just sitting with this lady um, for hours and she's talking to me about her, you know, her world and what she grew up in and 
um, how farming was actually really important to her. And, um, but, and, and then, you know, also she was constantly talking to me about like, well, I love your vision, but don't, don't mix blood. You don't want to do that. And I was like, ah, I do, but I'll be careful. You know, what do you mean by don't mix blood? Well, like, I think, I think we're so focused on me and mine. Right. Like we're all we all have a gang mentality or, mm-hmm. or a tribal mentality um, that we isolate ourselves within a certain group and we codify our importance based off of that. Right. And I think now with this new paradigm, we have to really shake those traditions. Right. It's not red team. It's not blue team. You know, it's we all live here in, in Utah. We live here in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. let's share what we have together, yeah. right? Let's stop dividing each other, right? Because, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you may have had beef with that person in the past, you know, or like you don't even really know them, but for whatever reason, you don't like them. Um, and But th- that's, again, that's where underneath the shade of a fruit tree is a tremendously healing experience. Because, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to just be mad at somebody while you're literally picking life-giving sus- sustenance from from a tree yeah. or, you know, or tilling the earth. Like, you know, like I, I've seen very few fights in the garden, <laughs> if any. Right. <laughs> and so, um, um, but unfortunately we're like, yeah, we, we, we isolate ourselves in these, in these little caves of what we define, you know, like in this apartment complex, which is, you know, it's nice on uh, looking at it, you know, but, it does separate us from mm-hmm. one another, right? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know, we all live in these little boxes that are just stacked on top of one another. Yep. And you know, you walk past somebody on the stairs, and and you, know, you hi hi, but are but are you really like, yeah, talking with them? Are you are you yeah. conversing? How is your life interconnected with them? You literally sleep. Your head sleeps maybe twenty feet away from them, but you're. How are you really engaging with these yeah. people? That. Are around you all of the time, mm-hmm. and we've we, we've just kind of locked ourselves in these prisons, and the paradigm that paradigm has to be broken now. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from long term isolation mm. and people having these conversations with themselves. Mm. Like I know when I am on my screen a majority of the day, for example, whether it's at work for eight hours on a computer, or I'm on my phone for social media, or I'm binge watching Netflix or Disney Plus, or any of these things and I'm removing myself from social interaction, the more I go back into social interaction, I find that my anxiety spikes Mm -hmm. and it's because I'm having these conversations of like, Oh, I want to say hi to this person. Mm -hmm. But then there's this fear in the back of my head of like, they're going to say something mean back to you or then they're going to be like upset. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about it, as soon as I've stopped looking and being sucked in these phones Mm -hmm. and these screens, and start being more mindful about my day and being more present with, with what I'm doing. Um, I started realizing I was numbing myself mm-hmm. and, and by numbing myself, I didn't want to talk to anybody else. I didn't want to deal with anybody else. Um, especially because if I was vulnerable, people would be like, well, just stop doing the X, Y, and Z. And I knew that, mm-hmm. like, but I just didn't want to give that part of myself up. And the long part of this long winded rant is just to be like, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is, is that us as a society, if, if once I started taking care of my mental health and, and being more like, you know what, I'm going to say hi to this person mm-hmm. because I also know how, how it is to be a person that's just walking past people 
and how and me being a grumpy mood and have somebody be like <laughs> hey and it's like be nice to me mm-hmm. like it changes it and it almost spreads and it's like like i think emotions are like a virus mm-hmm. and i think that if a negative emotion can spread more negative emotions and a positive emotion can spread spread positive emotions mm-hmm. and so i think that it's cool where you're you are with every relationship you need they say the healthiest ones have a third component to it whether it's god or some couples do drugs some couples it's working out uh, whatever that third tripod cuz it uh, just like if you you can blow something over unless it's a, a a pyramid i think geometrically or geometrically speaking is like most like secure uh uh shape Mm-hmm. And so it's like if you have this co-op where like everybody, it's, it's that third leg to connect with somebody, mm-hmm. you can connect with pretty much anybody. I mean, I've, I've, I've connected with so many people that I wouldn't have connected with um, had I not played video games, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I knew guys who I was just like, I don't like who that person is. And I put a label on them. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing this game and I start realizing, wow, there's more depth to this person than just this person I thought that he's trying to play himself as. Mm. Because the more you realize and interact with people and having places where you can come together, Mm -hmm. pick fruit, work, and just do what we for generations have done. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, that that feeling of the bizarre needs to come back. We need those, you know, those, um, those markets that are happening on a monthly basis. But like, not just... Not just a packaged, like, you know, I really like farmer's markets. They're really cool. But, like, so if you're cultivating it in a three-block radius and everybody's getting to know you, you're you're constantly interacting with them and handing them something tangible, which is food. And then, and then whatever comes after that, like whatever relationship or friendship is great, mm-hmm. right? But um, it's cool because then you have these monthly events where everybody gets together. There's no pressure. There's fire. There's music. And then, and then that's where the real relationship building uh, connects. Um, but also, it's way more sustainable, right? Because a farmer's market, to run a farmer's market, you know, for one week, I think it's one week. Um, oh, I should look it up. It's one week or one month. It's the same for the cost of running a farmer's market. You could run a brick and mortar shop for 365 days. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. And and not only that, you have all these farmers. When you're talking about the cost, uh, the cost of saying, "Hey, I want to go set up a booth here," or no, are you no, saying the I'm whole total cost of the everybody there? The total cost of everybody coming. Okay. You know, the carbon, it, like all of the money that's coming into the farmers market to make it a thing. Okay. Right. Um. And so, and not only that, it's usually the bigger farmers that are dominating they have more produce you have all these smaller farmers that are they're they're all competing they all they all grow the same things and you know the bigger flashier tents are the ones that are people are stopping by and grabbing the tomatoes and whatnot and um that's why again i think this model is go is is like booming so quickly is because um we're not having to pack up a huge van throw like spend hours harvesting the day before and you know throw you know throw all of our stuff into a van and then rush off to the Salt Lake Farmers Market and you know s- set up our tent right next to somebody who's growing the exact same thing we are you know and then distributing it no we're reaching out to the people that are around us directly around us and if it takes a little bit more time that's fine right but like 
sustainable growth is really important. Um, and, you know, instead of harvesting all these plants and then throwing them away because, oh man, I didn't, uh, or, or composting them because I harvested way too much and I was hoping to sell a little bit more at the farmer's market. No, I can, I can be a little slower, more methodical with how I harvest my crops. I can, you know, I have my walk-in cooler where I can store a lot of it and people can just come to my walk-in cooler and grab their CSA. Um, it's, it's, it's a more sustainable model and it just takes a, um, a little bit of connection building. And that's where instead of going to a farmer's market, that, and yeah, they do have all these really cool art exhibits and stuff like that, bring that to your farm. Yeah. Make your farm the, the bee's knees. Yeah. You know, make your, like, and people want to be immersed in nature, right? They're going to a park that, again, is just Kentucky bluegrass and yeah. some trees and concrete, and and they're going to these parks. It's like they would love the experience so much more if somebody's playing the guitar, singing their heart out as they're walking through and they're seeing all these row crops and chickens yeah. running around. Um, that, that, then they're starting to immerse themselves in what like growing life, right? Yeah. Rather than this stagnant, you know, um, depiction of what nature should be that, you know, our um, masculine mind thinks, oh yes, we must have square grids. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, like, mm -hmm. no, it's like, let's have a little bit of chaos. Let's interject yeah. a little femininity into this bitch. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, uh, and have some like just life growing all abundant around us. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's what I think is really cool. And I think that's the missing piece. And I think that's why urban farmers struggle so hard because they're not fully tapping into the potential that they could be, right? They, like they're delivering CSAs far away, <laughs> far away um, from... That where their main location is, so they're still having to drive around and whatnot. Um, so I, I think that's really important, and it just, yeah. So who who um, I think that's all very important as well. Mm -hmm. Who um, do you think is your main competitor? Like, if you were to replace something, because I feel like a lot of the the life is all about law of subtraction, mm -hmm. but you have to replace it with something and it has to be a better version. Like for example, I, I sold my PlayStation mm -hmm. recently. This is on a personal level. <laughs> I sold my PlayStation because I was developing too much time towards it. And I was like, what am I going to replace my time with PlayStation with? And it was like this podcast going to the gym, like, and, and replacing. So, so I'm not just sitting there twiddling my fingers being like, I want to play my PlayStation. Like I'm just thinking about this thing almost like on an addictive level. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like I have a, I have a Macy's right here. Like, would you guys essentially be like, you don't even have to go to the grocery store because we're going to have everything you guys need. Or is it just going to start with, is, are you guys see yourself going into like meat or where, where's your, like, uh, is it just going to start with vegetables? Hmm. I, I mean, don't know. You, it doesn't matter if you've gone that far. I'm just kind of curious as far as where you see it going. Um, I like, think I think it's gonna formulate into a entity of its own creation. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, yeah, it'd be great to take on supermarkets head on and whatnot, but I think ultimately, yeah, uh, and ultimately it will to some some respects. But I mean, at, at the at this stage, it's more just about cult like giving that commu sense of 
communal bonding and like resiliency, right? Because mm. if people are maintaining their food away from markets um, and keeping their money um, within their local uh, municipality and neighborhood, um, I guess the enemy would be the current paradigm, the current societal structure that we have through this more convenient this this unstructured capitalist society that we have it's like okay you know money's not necessarily evil but we need to use it in it because to me it's just an energetic exchange but right now we're just throwing our energy all over the place you know like we got to think globally but act locally Mm -hmm. right so like i'm not going to change the presidential candidate yeah like like i you know i can't affect what's happening nationally but i can affect what's happening next door absolutely and and um so if we're thinking locally and we're we're building systems where um, I'm more reliant on my neighbor rather than some structure or system that's so far out of my realm of influence, yeah. then I begin to solidify my own ability and capacity for self-determination and those around me because then they start to contribute their skills. Like I had no idea how to build a walk-in cooler, but my neighbor does and he did he helped me you know i was his bitch so, so now so now you, you know? can, now you can yeah, do it if you wanted yeah, to yeah yeah and 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 like those pulling pulling those skills together is really really important right um but right now we're outsourcing them we're outsourcing our skills and working for these entities and using our skills our our god-given talents um towards you know, receiving money from afar and then spending it again on, you know, on commodities and goods that are going to these uh, outside influences or corporations where they have no real roots in the community. We're not not working with ma and pa shops. So I guess the, the main enemy is the current paradigm of these unregulated corporations that are just essentially siphoning and siphoning our energy from our people and it's like no let's keep that into the community let's empower our neighbors let's empower our children and educate them on how they can live independently from you know these um i guess you could say kingdoms the yeah. kingdom of walmart you know like no we don't yeah. need that we don't need yeah. them right and so that's what i would say the paradigm is and it's a big it's a big thing to tackle but if you start small Literally by if you growing a freaking focus, tomato bush. Yeah. <laughs> well, even even three blocks. But like, uh-huh. if you were like, "Hey, I'm gonna take over the world with this idea," that sounds impractical. Yeah, yeah. But if you were to tell me that, like, "Hey, we're gonna open a co-op every one to two years in a different block, mm-hmm. or whatever your growth is," the cool thing about it is there's gonna be sooner or later a point where it's a tipping point for your business, where you're not having to go out as much, and people are just spreading the word mm-hmm. and. I think it all starts with like the people are more proud of what what they work for, mm-hmm. like and the food's gonna taste better, mm-hmm. like it's gonna be more nourishing. Like I I was talking to my buddy for example, and I had all these expired green beans I forgot to eat because I bought them at Costco, and Costco is just buy a lifetime supply of green beans. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, Mikey, there's not even really any nutritional value in these green beans, and mm. like. If you think about it, just on like a rational level, it's like if these things are packaged to last for for year, like a year and a half, two years, yeah. and the average green bean on like a shelf is only supposed to last for like weeks, <laughs> like what is going on? Like what is what and what is that going into my body? Mm-hmm. You know. And so I think I think it's very cool that that you guys are 
essentially creating this transparent model mm-hmm. where, where you literally can look around and see what's going into your food. Well, and the cool thing is, is it's not even a, uh, like a, a new idea per se. You know, uh, the Mormon culture uh, here in Utah had a strong tradition of cooperative economies. Mm-hmm. ZCMI was one of the largest cooperatives in the nation, you know, um, and um, another example and one of the models that we are uh, following is the Mondragon model in Spain. It's like a close to the Basque region. Um, it's a huge cooperative. You know, they have multiple businesses. Um, they have a nonprofit arm and then they have the LLCs that have formed out of their membership. Um, and in 2008, when the re- recession hit, um, the Mondragon um, cooperative they have their own banking system. They have, you know, all of their own businesses. And so when steel, when the steel plummeted and all their steel workers uh, didn't have a job anymore, they're all cooperative members. So they, they were like, oh, man, that sucks. Well, let's train you how to be cooks. We have this need over here. We're going to train you how to be cooks. And they gave all of these steel workers, they still had a job, and they were protected and taken care of. And you don't have to be a cook for the rest of your life. You no. can just be a cook for the period of time until you figure out what you're next thing to do. Exactly. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and, and but they had the resiliency to do that because they're keeping the money they're within their structure, within their community. They're they're not outsourcing it into some imaginary stock land, you know, where people make millions of dollars off speculation or anything like that. They are investing in what they can see and what they can feel within whatever their community needs. It's like, because our communities, uh, kind of to bring it back to permaculture a little bit, is like, so the world is a living organism, and so are we. Like, our consciousness and the way that we interact with one another, we're also organism. We are an organism, the human race, and how we interact each other with each other is like, is important you know and like you know when you whenever you have people expressing hate whether it's based off of religion or race or whatever that's almost like that that is a, a symptom misunderstanding of really it's, it, it's a sickness yeah it's a it, and it's it's a sickness that's being expressed maybe from one individual but it's a it's it's a sickness that is just being re- replicated because we're hurting in some other respects we're mm. not understanding how to interact and connect with one another because we're not speaking anymore. We're isolating, we're isolating, and then we're getting all of these images and, and messages about what's happening based off of what some little box is telling us. You yeah. Know? Um, that, you know, and pictures and, you know. It's- yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have the TV any, like I don't, I just pay for just internet. Uh-huh. But I mean, I still enjoy trying to look at news, but it is so hard nowadays to like actually knowing, know what's going on in your community. Mm. Because I always talk to people about uh, like the media and who's the media owned by. The media is owned by these massive conglomerates. And so like it doesn't pay to have KSL News do a story on why McDonald's isn't healthy for you. <laughs> because McDonald's is an, av- is an advertiser who pays for their system. Yeah. And they don't want to piss off their advertisers. And so there's always this certain thing of like, hey, we're going to look bl- blind eye over here. And then we're going to put all this fear mongering. And all these other, or over here, let's, let's blind them. Oh, like, what are the celebrities doing? Mm-hmm. And all this stuff that doesn't impact your life. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know the more that I chase this idea of like, oh, I want to be a celebrity and let's see what celebrities are doing. And I'm going to dress and act like a celebrity. Um, I wasn't happy. Like, I don't think anybody is when you're chasing and you're trying to be something other than you're not yourself. Mm. And what a better, what a cool way to figure out where, where you fit into something than this cooperative 
because a lot of people don't have purpose. Like I, I felt like I didn't have purpose until honestly about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like when I decided that like, I'm going to do this podcast and I feel like my purpose is to help as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is to say like, you know, you, you have a story, you have something to share. Like how, how is this going to help people? And, and I see it helping people in so many ways, but mm-hmm. I, I do want to uh, kind of just have you break it down and summarize it. Like, how does this help people? Um, so uh, one of the main things that we've really been talking about is the community connection that's fostered, right? The friendships that are developed, the basic necessities and needs, you know, of getting food um, delivered to them um, in a three block radius, building that independence from our current paradigm, current structures. And then also just improving the overall quality of life. You know, if you, when you look at, you know, across the street and you see a, a farm and all of this life and chickens and goats and all these things, you are a, a happier person. Mm-hmm. You know, your quality of life and, and the way that our world is can be healed by you know reintroducing wildlife into our urban areas and whatnot and re re-establishing our ecosystems within the urban landscape and you know allowing more connection not only with our human relations but our animal relations as well and, uh, and understanding those things um i think so, that's important i want to yeah. hit that because i think that's one of the things that we have we see these things as pests or these animals like, oh, get this bird out of my house or whatever because you don't want to be bothered by it. Mm-hmm. But I think because we've created these boxes that we live in <laughs> and we don't want we don't want the society like I, I think we've created this weird uh, where we can only have pets and everything that's not a pet is a pest. Mm-hmm. You know, un- unless it's from a distance, you're like, oh, look at it. It's beautiful. But mm-hmm. as soon as. As soon as a bear or an eagle or a wolf or whatever that thing you're staring at from far away, I mean, mm-hmm. it could even be like a rabbit and like i know there's a there's down towards sandy there's this neighborhood where i go to visit my buddy and there's just wild rabbits running around and at first i saw a rabbit and i was like what is this what is, is somebody lose their pet rabbit and i was like oh it doesn't have a collar on it and um i go to my buddies he's like yeah they run all over like mm-hmm. even during the winter and it's just interesting to me that we have these pockets of like where animals are still thriving, but they're trying to thrive within neighborhoods now and probably hiding under houses and all these other things where mm-hmm. if you had this co-op, you essentially could have this place where animals could thrive and, and build relationships with humans because over the years we've just been pushing them out mm-hmm. and no wonder why they're becoming more and more hostile towards us. Like I, <laughs> I think of uh, my brother who was telling me a story about his place and his backyard there was this like drain thing and he had problems of raccoons coming up and one time he was like out in the back of his porch and this raccoon came up and he kind of tried to like shoot away with his broom Mm -hmm. and the raccoon was like like getting all like but then you think about it like that raccoon like if it is conscious on any level in which they've proven raccoons are very smart Mm -hmm. um, and can be even trained as pets like they've probably seen like animal catchers and these things that like, you know, create this where we could have this more beautiful relationship with animals. Um, and I think animals are, are, are a great connection to like spirituality and, Mm -hmm. and to, and to God, 
because they're more present than we ever will be because their level of consciousness, maybe their level of consciousness is higher than ours. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I do think that they're, I mean, you don't see eagles and like hawks flying around carrying cell phones and worrying. They're just being, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're in an absolute state of being, like and being present, um, that's, that's where um, you find true happiness. That's where you find this connectedness. And that's where even right now, like if I was not being present here with you yeah. or even like uh, you being present here with me, listening to me, you could be deciding, you know what? I want to talk about this next thing. And then you're removing yourself from this conversation mm. where everybody could have learned from something from somebody. Mm. And that's where I think the beauty of podcast is. And that's where I want to start a podcast is um, I feel like people are more willing to sit down and listen and they might get 10, 20 minutes in and like, ah, this isn't for me. But that's okay because I think sooner or later an idea will be okay for them. Because, I mean, you introduced um, – it's Ubuntu. How do you pronounce it? Ubuntu, yeah. Um, like I think you shared on, on Facebook this video a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in a place where I was like, this is just a different term of socialism. <laughs> and <laughs> this is just a rebranding of socialism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, like, I mean, you – I feel like – I think it's great because you started with something so simple. It's not politics. It's not – um, changing anybody's really way of living other than where are you getting your food from mm-hmm. and where are you contributing your energy to? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I, I cut you off and yeah, I, yeah. I just, I was excited about you, the, you're the animal a good thing. Tear there, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like it, to kind of, you know, solidify, how does this help in a nutshell? It's ultimately, you know, liberating people from current paradigms by, you know, building, community resilience through meeting the basic necessities like food, shelter, and water, and giving them community connection through activating local artists and, and, and communities, like community events. Uh, um, that's how it helps, is it brings community connection that ultimately leads towards self-actualization. Awesome. You know, and uh, I would say that's how it helps. Awesome. Mm. Um. Anything else you want to you want to talk about before we we call it a close? Um, no, I'm you know I <laughs> uh, yeah no, I I mean it's just been a pleasure to be on here and uh, I yeah I, it was fun to geek out about um, where this where this vision is going and I, I guess yeah I guess I actually do uh, we do work weeks um, every it's looking like every Wednesday. Um, we get together at the village cooperative and everybody is, is welcome. Uh, even if you want to just came at, come around and, um, just hang out and see what it's about. Or if you want to start contributing, it's, it's been really cool to see. Wednesdays at what time? Um, it's at, uh, seven, 7 PM. Okay. Um, and we just get together and, um, it's cool. You have people working in one quarter, one corner working on videos and video promotions. We have people working on back end stuff. We have people talking about what seeds we're going to, you know, what seeds we're starting for the season. We have the farmer's corner. Essentially we have the media, we have the artists that are planning a really cool rose garden made out of recycled wood that we'll plant on the cooperative. And it's just a cool way of like seeing how creativity can be manifested and your skills can be manifested in whatever. So I don't care if you're, you know, a singer or whatever, maybe you just come and you sing while everybody else is working, you know, and, but you're working too. You're sharing your, your gift. Yeah. Music. And so it's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't really matter. And it's a very organic thing. Right. And, um, so yeah, 
uh, people can come by there and, and check out the village, you know, and it's a very non-intrusive way. We just kind of, what, what are your uh, typical hours what? of operation? Like when, when are you guys there? Uh, I mean, we're there all the time. Somebody's always there. But I mean, somebody could show up at 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. and somebody uh, be there. Yeah, 6 a.m. They just might get a grumpy, you know, like. Well, <laughs> I need my coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I would say our basic hours of operation are about uh, 8 to 7 p.m. Okay. 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, is there anywhere people can follow you on social media? Or is there what? Like you said, you're the website. Tell yeah, the website. So, yeah. So um, createthevillage.org is our website. You can follow us on Facebook, The Village Cooperative, um, and then also Instagram, The Village Cooperative. Okay. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your time, Darren. I think this is something that's that's, that's going to impact society and, and locally, and I and I hope it goes globally. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I thank you for your time showing up here and sharing your knowledge and and uh, putting yourself out there because I, I know it's not sometimes the easiest thing to do knowing that you're getting recorded and yeah. and I mean I feel like I'm gonna say a million dumb things before that before this this uh, before my journey of this podcast kind of ends but uh, I appreciate you coming on you you're fabulous uh, I'd love to have you on any other time if you ever have you know an event or whatever you want to promote is there any events coming up? Um, so on April 18th, we have our first residence building roots event. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, cause we only do that in the summer cause it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to have live performances in the park when it's freezing cold. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's, um, it's from six to nine and it's on April 18th, but that's, that's quite a bit of ways out there. Um, and then as, as the season comes along, we'll start having garden installs and whatnot. Cause you know, we do garden installations for people. Um, but, um, We'll have those happen throughout the, you know, March and um, a- April. Okay. Um, and then, you know, so the best thing for events is follow us. Follow us on, on Facebook um, and Instagram, and, and you'll be informed. And, you know. Awesome. So. Well, um, stay in touch with me, because I'm, I, if you need any my talents, I'd be more than happy to help you out. So. All right, brother. Sounds um, good. Yeah, dude, thanks, you, thanks for being here, and thanks for being here, too, as well. All right. Have a good night.